The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome, everyone. This is Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast, Winnipeg's first and only public affairs podcast, and I'm Marty Gold. Uh, off the top, I want to only thank all you listeners, uh, and in particular, our donors this past week. Uh, very, very kind words being passed along, a lot of encouragement, especially uh, in relation to uh, our coverage of crime and justice, and that is going to be the focus of this interview uh, and uh, I've said it before in various forms. I'll say it again. It doesn't matter if it's $100 or if it's $20. It all goes towards providing this kind of, in, not just information, but these kinds of investigations into what's going on in the legislature at City Hall, around our community, around organizations, around the media, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I do wish I was... Uh, listen, uh, th- there's a lot of material here, and we proved in our time on Kick FM that there is material there. Uh, the commercial radio stations don't have any interest in, in doing this kind of work. Uh, they don't have the intestinal fortitude. Uh, they don't have the kind of experience really necessary to, to provide this kind of compilation and analysis and to be able to relate to an audience. Uh, and I'm lucky to be following in the footsteps of people that taught me this. And, and as I explained the last, uh, the last episode, I, I've got a passion and it's um, it, there is no trust fund here, and it is solely through your support, uh, advertisers, sponsors, donors, uh, other things that come up where you think my services can be of use. That uh, that this is possible, and I appreciate the the momentum that you have helped provide me as I head into the uh, election season itself. And and I'll have more to say about that. Uh, in a mo- in more than a few moments, but you get the idea. Uh, recent episodes have had a tremendous response. Um, episode 45 for McPhillips to South Osborne, Winnipeg's turning into Gotham City, uh, and that was predicated on the direct comment of the owner of uh, Four Crowns over on McPhillips, as well as information about what's going on in South Osborne. And uh, we, uh, I had an interview that you uh, heard would have heard with one of the residents who said that they felt that, uh, got a hold of me, said they felt that the podcast, that episode was bang on. Um, most recent podcast uh, about uh, liberal press conference I went to last week, uh, and uh, the, the headline, Lamont Banks on Economic Policy to Fuel Campaign Momentum. Speaking of momentum, and I'll have a, a, a standalone uh, interview, as I indicated before, later this week, uh, I'm hoping to be able to arrange things to get that out. And just a standalone interview with Dougal Lamont, Liberal leader. Uh, uh, he seeks to find some form of traction and acceptance around, uh, around the broader community. Now, in that uh, episode, that last episode, uh, just to uh, s- straighten out the facts, I received a communication from the Deputy Speaker of the Winnipeg City Council, Ross Eady, uh, and, you know, I, it's some things, you know, because in radio I was steeped in... Um, what I would sort of generally refer to as uh, you know the minutia, um, and I'm not uh, retaining things as as well as I did perhaps in some respects. And so he pointed out first of all, politely Ross did, uh, listener of this program uh, for 
and and appeared on City Circus TV on Shaw as well. Cindy, as in Cindy Lamar, was in Tyndall as MLA. And uh, Mr. Brar is in Burroughs for the NDP. I think I said Cindy was in Burroughs. So um, it could be once upon a time it would have been Burroughs. Uh, he then describes actually the neighborhood, um, uh, the, the constituency boundaries, uh, uh, and and provides a definition of the Jefferson neighborhood. Now that actually relates um, uh, not only to the uh, interview uh that I did with Patrick Allard, who's running in St. John's, uh, but it also relates to this discussion about uh, about Lamaru and the other uh, liberal MLAs, uh, etc. And so this is actually helpful that uh, the neighborhood east of the CPR Winnipeg Beach Line and Garden City is on the, and Garden City is on the west of the Beach Line, right? Um, uh, but there's something I didn't realize. One name, Jefferson West of McPhillips is the Maples. Yes, we all remember that from when all of a sudden there was something on the other side of Leela and, and, and north of, uh, of Mc, uh, or west rather, McPhillips. Then Mandalay West and past the Arbor line is Santa Fe Waterford Green. I've heard of Waterford Green. I have never heard of a Santa Fe neighborhood in Winnipeg before. Jefferson neighborhood starts in the south at Carruthers and goes north to approximately Kingsbury, which means not where I grew up, but my grandparents were technically in Jefferson neighborhood. And I can tell you they lived on Matheson for 35, 40 years. Uh, and I don't think they ever knew they were in the Jefferson neighborhood, neither did I, but thank you, Ross Eady, for providing some clarification about neighborhood boundaries. And it's interesting how the city interprets certain neighborhoods, but the neighborhoods don't. And speaking of neighborhoods, on the other side of this short break, um, going to discuss uh, not much about courts this week, honestly. I don't think there's anything about courts, but the Crime Courts Public Safety Update, very significant, very important, uh, and uh, going to be discussing a few neighborhoods in particular, and you're going to want to listen to what's been going on the last week. And and this is a... This, uh, uh, really serving as a a reality check for anyone, any of the pundits, any of the so-called media experts, political science majors, and the rest of them, uh, that perhaps don't have quite the lines of communication with the street that somebody trained in reporting as I was from a different era. Um, I see things, I know things, I hear things, people are telling me things on the other side of this break the kinds of things that are going on in neighborhoods around Winnipeg that guarantee, contrary to what some of these pundits think, that crime, absolutely, the media could not write a word about crime as an election issue. But at the doorstep, and the, when they're door knocking, at the thresholds, at the kitchen table, in the church halls, believe me, crime is going to be an issue all over this city in the provincial election. Back with more right after this. If you have a story tip, an interview idea, or information the public needs to know, let us know. The Great Canadian Talk Show. Email martygoldlive at gmail.com. TGCTS. Old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto. Vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars. 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. That's not all. 
off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. Midpointautomotive.ca, the phone number 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code. T-A-L-K, the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. The Crime Courts and Public Safety Update is sponsored by Jamrock Security. For your home, your family, your business, your employees, and for your community, Jamrock provides affordable protection solutions. Call 204-880-1564 or go online jamrocksecurity.ca do security do it smart jamrock security uh thank you for uh, carrying on uh and i will carry on one thing i i probably should have mentioned at, at the beginning of the show because it would have fit in better so but if i can just digress i want to thank uh i am thanking <laughs> the the people up in arberg with the arberg street festival i hosted uh an event there on saturday for the I think, except for, I guess, during COVID times, I think I've been there every year since 2014. So, and my mother's family is, uh, when they settled in Canada, uh, they were up in the in, in those parts and uh, had a wonderful time. Boy, with a big crowd to start, were those kids ever loud? And everybody was super happy and there was a lot of action. And, uh, and a lot of excitement, like these kids, you know, now it's like I've watched them grow up out in that town. You know, the kids come out and they paint their faces, not too many signs out in Arburg, but they paint their faces, a lot of t-shirts and kids saying, take a picture of me in my t-shirt and such things. Um, and, uh, and they treat us so well, uh, it's, um, speaking of, uh, Canadian wrestling's elite that, uh, that I, uh, still dabble in the, uh, in the, in the arts of. Uh, strength and science is the Ontario Boxing and Wrestling Commission used to make promoters explain. Street Festival is great. If you ever have a chance to watch wrestling at a street festival, you should. It's a tremendous atmosphere. Very carnival-like uh, in that environment. And then uh, the Frog Follies on Sunday, St. Pierre Jolie, uh, first time that I know of that they've had it. Had it. And so many people that were there, because this is already going out in southeastern Manitoba and, and rural municipalities, so many people there, including elected officials from the uh, RMs, uh, came over to me and to some of the other, some of the wrestlers, but came over to me specifically to talk about the show that I hosted on Canada Day Eve in Vita. And uh, everybody's talking about it. There's uh, more events planned out there. They're being booked, uh, they're being booked for, uh, I think there's a birthday party or something. And and they're so excited and, and, uh, and Southeastern Manitoba becoming a wrestling hotbed as it apparently was it's for some period of time in the late 60s and early 70s or something. I'm kind of surprised here there was ever wrestling in Tolstoy, but if I have anything to say about it, there will be again. Uh, and uh, everybody treated us so well. The Frog Follies is so much fun. And Al Simmons, so this is the best part. Uh, Al Simmons was actually the warm-up act for the wrestling uh, under the, um, well, it was a pavilion, right? And there's like 200 kids and their and their moms and dads and, and Babas and Zetas, uh, I guess not in that you know, out in St. Pierre Jolie, but you get the idea. And Al put on a very entertaining show, and he ran a little long. And me, 
you know, it's a scheduler always thinks something will go from like 12 to one and the next thing starts at one, not quite. But when, when he was over and, and was still, you know, playing, like playing music and, and doing, you know, goofy stuff as his extra and whatever. And he noticed me and he, he sort of looked at me and he, he knows he knows me. And I was, had a shirt on that denoted I was doing something or other, you know, entertainment wise. And, uh, he doesn't, I, I know that Al didn't remember why he knows who I am, but it's because I'm Len Udo's cousin. So he looks at me for a second and he's still got the mic on. I go, oh, wrestling next. And he pitched the wrestling show and told kids come over and watch. And he came in the back and complimented the wrestlers and complimented the promotion and, and, and complimented me. I'm so grateful. Al Simmons is, uh, he, he, you know, when, it, when a guy with that kind of, uh, that level of experience, that level of popularity and that, and, and such a kind soul. And I've known Al not well at all, but, I would have first met him in 1978 or nine or something. And, uh, you know, I like to say I sort of knew him when he was kind of a nobody and now he's a legend, so to speak, the human jukebox. And uh, who knows, human jukebox might show up at a wrestling show sometimes. So thank you to the people of Arbrick. Thank you to the people of St. Adolph. I'll be at Lilac Resort this coming Friday and uh, or Saturday, rather. And that will also be a tremendous event uh, as, as it is every year. And if you are interested in having this kind of entertainment and athletic action, then just email me, martygoldlive at gmail.com, and we'll see what we can arrange. Uh, people are getting their money's worth. And, and especially in rural communities, you know, there's a demand for entertainment, like live entertainment. These people, it's, it's important to them to have, to have something like this. And there's a lot of athletic skill from Mentalo the champion on down. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, good, a good show is had by all. Okay, enough of that. Time for the Crime Courts and Public Safety Update, brought to you by Jamrock Security, sponsors of, uh, of this uh, regular series that we provide here on the Great Canadian Talk Show. I thought that my lead was going to be about fires lately, arsons. Uh, home on Flora got torched. The, the apartment building, the notorious apartment building at uh, Mountain and Aikens, that apparently now will finally be put out of its misery. Then there was a fire at the homeless encampment near the Osborne Bridge. And we know how dangerous that can be on that, near, under, close to that bridge. But those aren't even the most important stories that are being told over the course of this weekend on the matter of public disorder, violence, and crime that is going to cause what I'm sure some columnists would refer to as white angst. But I assure you, it has nothing to do with anybody being white, either on the criminal end or on the victim end, or being anything else on the criminal end or the victim end. What I'm suggesting is that neighborhoods that are, in fact, traditionally of a certain socioeconomic and ethnic background, so to speak, they are going to turn, end up leaving the city because of what's going on around them. And we are, in fact, going to turn into Detroit, which I've spoken about for many years, whether it was on radio or on podcasts. And I believe I mentioned Detroit once or twice on City Circus as well. Let's go back a few days. I think this was probably Thursday or Friday of last week. Around the 800 block of St. Mary's Road in St. Vitell, where a woman was getting into the passenger side of their car, 
her and her husband leaving around 10.30 in the morning. So this is broad daylight, summer's day. And she hears someone go, hey, right beside her. And she, as she posted on Facebook, as I was looking over there, as I was looking over, there was an indigenous woman who decked me in the face, capital letters, for no reason at all, exclamation mark. I'd never seen this woman before this moment. Well, look at that. This is four days after, three, four days, after the 88-year-old former magistrate gets punched in the nose at a bus stop at the Forks, across from the Forks, heading towards St. Boniface. And now, you know, St. Mary's Road starts... Jeez, what's the what's the address of Santa Lucia, right? Was that was that number one St. Mary's Road, whatever? Okay, now gotta go up to eight hundred, and here's a woman trying to get into her car with her husband, and some dame decides she's gonna get a licking. My husband said, "Hey," and tried to approach her, and she kept saying, "She laughed at the struggle. She laughed at the struggle." That's Winnipeg's version of what's the frequency, Kenneth? And then took off. They managed to catch up to this person, took a few pictures. Now, this then led to the question of whether this person was involved in other incidents around the area. And uh, this person may not have been indigenous. Uh, There's suggestions that the person's actually black, etc., etc. The fact is that... There's somebody that looks like somebody and there's a lot of people that are being harassed, evidently, in and around St. Boniface, past Fermor, south of Fermor. Good way to describe it. Another person posting online pictures of someone going through their car, referring to them as a car router router, rooting around in their car. And this is why, oh, this isn't criminal. Those, those people are, they, you know, they need money for food. They need to buy a loaf of bread. They, they, they're just looking for money for their next fix. Or, you know, in the old days, they'd say, oh, just looking for money so they can rent a hotel room. <clears throat> the reason why this is such a big deal and why there has to be accountability from the justice system and the political system and why there's so little sympathy, not only for the perpetrators of these kinds of crimes, but for those who are sympathetic to them. This car router router, she wrote, took my missing and murdered indigenous women rock. There was nothing to take, just made a mess. Stop this behavior. Not to be outdone. A local... Food services retail outlet in St. Boniface on one of the major streets put up a picture, a few pictures of a cane-wielding older fellow exclaiming, find him! Literally, find him! Exclamation mark, capital letters. When you see this guy walking around St. Boniface, Please let us know. And she left her phone number. Stole at our shop on Saturday, August 12th. Captured on video. I went looking for him. Found him and gave location to police. But somehow this guy, with a limb and a cane, which uses a weapon, could not be located by them. 
by the time they went to go get him. We do get thieves at our shop, too many over the years, but this guy tried to use cane on staff, which crosses the line for me. He's around. So, let's be clear. Here's somebody who sells sweets and dainties. or right? It's not a supermarket, not a grocery store. Specialty shop. Who not only has, is constantly victimized by thieves in what is, by reputation, a good area, But her staff, her staff, was threatened, which crosses the line. He's around. Another individual providing their recent in response to this, saying, I was in a shop on Osborne last week. Don't know whether it was in the village or on South Osborne. And a shoplifter pulled a knife. First time with a weapon, the shop assistant told me, wow, is that ever a lucky store? Now that they can no longer steal at the liquor store, they are targeting small businesses. Now, the retailer from St. Boniface said, well, one thief tried to punch at my staff person at the shop and was asked by another one about for more details about this cane-wielding thief. And uh, she said, well, he... No French accent, though he was inebriated. Another woman, St. Boniface, he's very scrappy. I spoke with him and he's quite energetic with me. He knows what he's doing. Hmm. If he knows what he's doing, does that mean that... I'm just going to pick an example here. Uh, people are very sympathetic. They're known to be very sympathetic to those who are down on their luck, but are predatory criminals. Vivian Santos, counselor who hears complaints like this in her ward about behavior emanating from the homeless camps on the riverbank. Now, I'm not saying this fellow is homeless, but it sure sounds like it from what I've been reading. He knows what he's doing. Hmm. Is that somebody you have sympathy for? Somebody should ask Vivian Santos. Now, again, the retailer responding, I have zero sympathy for this individual as he tried to use his cane on my gentle and sweet staff and was quite obnoxious with me. Hmm. So any city councillors that have sympathy for this individual, they're going to have to contact me and I'll have you explain it directly to this retailer why she should have sympathy for this individual. So we've heard about St. Vital, St. Boniface. I've again mentioned uh, Point Douglas where uh, the podcast we did about, uh, about the prevalence of crime affecting longtime homeowners in South Point Douglas off of Higgins, and I've uh, taken a walk with a couple of other people and just seen the nature, uh, nature of the encampment. And tip of the iceberg when it comes to encampments in the city, you wouldn't believe it. South Point Douglas residents in daily danger. In danger daily, rather. Encampments need to be shut down now. That was our podcast July 28th. I'm still on the case. Crime from homeless camps overwhelms Point Douglas. Well, hmm. gone through those neighborhoods, let's head over to the city councillor-less councillor River Heights. This is just communication online between residents who pay their taxes and have, in many cases, been long-time residents. The River Heights neighborhood, back lane of Centennial between Kingsway and Grosvenor, our garage got broken into at 1.30 a.m., 
this was, um, I think, oh boy, I think this was probably like Friday night. Intention of stealing an old car, broken window and busted dashboard, neighborhood the bank called police. The guy was here for a good 20 minutes. Police are driving around looking for cameras. Description of the guy, tall, slim, young, cap. There was a lot of action in same in uh, River Heights, rather, and it wasn't just garages. My son had his bike stolen from Pan Am Pool this afternoon, wrote one father on Saturday, a men's mountain bike. Apparently, bikes are stolen one after the other from Pan Am, according to staff. What the blue hell is going on? Does the city of Winnipeg have any strategy whatsoever to protect the bicycles that are parked on their property when the public uses public services, public facilities that they have paid for? Apparently not. This kid being very upset. Another uh, individual uh, woman. My husband witnessed a man at Grand Park Mall this past week ride up to the bike rack. Already, no, he's already on a bike. In front of Good Life Fitness with a battery-operated bolt cutter. He reached out in front of everyone in broad daylight and cut the lock off. Luckily, my husband, fed up with all the crime in this area, was able to wrestle the bike away from him and bring it into good life. You know, when that's funny. When, when people say, well, what should city councilors be doing about crime? Here's a husband who's had enough, and he saved somebody's bike. So any city councilor considers, considers themselves a leader, or in, you know, reasonably fit, athletic shape, or whatever, they could at least stand at a bike rack and take a stand. If they are capable of it, maybe none of them are. I assure you, Vivian Santos can out-arm wrestle any one of these bike thieves. The husband wrestled the bike away. These bike thefts happen in seconds, and there's not much they can be done to prevent it. Too bad malls and sports facilities can't hire security just for the bike racks. Listen, listen to this. Are we in a stage where a facility has put out 28 or $30 an hour? Because you don't have a steady stream of bikes necessarily. Like, What? Or bring the bike racks inside the mall center hallways and lock them up. Hmm. But they do make a good point, this woman, whose husband saved somebody else's bike because he's fed up. The city built nice bike paths and wants everyone to nicely fit, get nicely fit, and enjoy our short summer. But what is the point of taking your bike out if it has about a 50-50 chance of being stolen each time you go anywhere with it? Hello? Somebody, everyone, please send this to your city councillor. And if you are a city councillor... Write this down. Here, email me, and I'll send you the quote. You should repeat it on the floor of council. You should repeat it. it should, this should come out of the mayor's mouth. This is the perception that people have. You're spending how much money on bike lanes without proper consultation, and I am going to be throwing that the exactly what was said in the 2010 audited people at City Hall. People want safe and secure streets and neighborhoods. Instead, you focus on things that are doomed to failure out of your ideologies or ideologies that have been thrust upon City Hall for policy. There seems to be no policy about how to protect bikes on city property. How to protect these neighborhoods better. How to ensure that the police are responsive to these concerns. Here's where the tables were turned on some. On some. Now, this is a, a, a thief, but... I don't know. Is it a thief when somebody like goes through your garbage? It was definitely somebody who was creating public disorder. Another woman's telling the story of a man digging through my garbage just now, making a huge mess, throwing stuff everywhere, and definitely had no intention of cleaning it up. 
Do we have sympathy for a guy like that? This is a back lane of Borbank between Kingsway and Grosvenor. So this is all, the, these incidents, a number of them, as you hear, they're happening north of uh, Cordon Avenue. When I opened the gate to tell him to leave, he pulled a knife out. It was aggressive and refusing to leave. My husband came out and scared him off. Look at that. Two husbands showing courage and bravery in River Heights in a matter of like two days. Like one a day. Does that sound normal? Does that sound like a normal state of affairs? Police have been called, was last seen headed towards Academy. Jokes on him. My garbage was full of dog shit. The bike he's on is definitely stolen. Don't let these people walk all over us. Yell, make a scene. They don't like it. Hmm. You don't hear a peep out of any of the city councilors about this. Look what's being said between individuals. So when some commentator or columnist or influencer or so-called expert says, oh, no, the crime, the Tories have no credit. Somebody's better develop some credibility, some credible policies in a big flipping hurry. Make a scene. They don't like it. Stand up to them. This is what's going on. And this is River Heights and St. Boniface, St. Vital. And you've heard, you've heard what I've described about North and South Point Douglas. Let's continue. So there was pictures with that fellow going through the garbage and walking away with dog crap. Now, here's where that ties to a post that was made on Monday. Our garage was broken into this morning around 8 a.m. 8 a.m., that's daylight, fans. And this bike was stolen as well as tools. There's a picture of the bike that was stolen and, and they had tools stolen. The photo... Uh, in the, the other post I just mentioned, okay, the guy carry, d- stealing the dog crap. The photo in that post of the man with a knife appears to be the same person who was seen with our bike and tools this morning by Kelvin High. This is the second time in two months, and I know we're not alone in this. So frustrating if you happen to see this bike anywhere. Another report by someone who I, uh, on, on one of the River Heights Facebook pages, concerned with crime and public safety by an individual who I know listens to this program. And here's the kind of efforts that they take to warn the community of suspicious activity in another back lane off of Academy. Male and female on bikes pulling a trailer, looking in yards, stole someone's blue bin heading east up Academy. Now, There's bike theft. There's property theft. There's prowlers going through back lanes. There's people with knives. And I hopscotch through these neighborhoods. But there's a neighborhood that I am pretty much the only individual engaged in reporting in this city. I'm the only person that seems to have ever paid any attention. I've paid not much to it, really. But back on Shaw TV in 2015 when the subject of the Marion Freeway came up. The area around Happy Land Park, where a city plan was being contemplated to expropriate 140 properties and just ruin the neighborhoods that are adjacent to that stretch by Archibald Marion. Well, ever since they organized and banded together and squawked and fought and argued 
and cornered city officials and cornered Matt Allard and forced them to admit how stupid, ill-conceived, not thought through, one-sided, unfair. Dare I say some of the ideas were a breach of people's human rights. Ever since Happyland Park, the people in the Dufresne, what's called the Dufresne neighborhood more formally, ever since they successfully pushed back on that idiotic plan that was first heard about on City Circus, the city has proceeded to give them a few little tidbits of, a couple of tidbits, and the whole neighborhood further down, closer to La Jamodier. But generally speaking, those people at the time were saying, listen, you're talking about all these ideas, and we're having a crime problem here. They have been left to fend for themselves. And this is an extension of the crime in St. Boniface, too. Camion credit unions had their doors locked for years, a couple of years now. Credit union members, they want to withdraw cash. They've got to go to tr- drive to Transcona or Southdale. They're not going to ride their bikes. No matter what Matt Allard thinks, they probably aren't going to take a bus either. Surely the bank can afford security, one resident wrote me. And if it's a problem, they need to call Matt Allard. Saint, uh, another example, Safeway, Marion, and Braemar. Now, that has two front doors, and they lock one, and they used to have them both open. You'd be able to come in and out of the store. Well, now to control it, people are leaving. I think it's at 7 o'clock now that they close the north side doors. Right? So it forces everybody to come in and out of one entrance. Now, it's not so busy there, it becomes a problem. Christmas time, actually, it would be. A resident over by Marion and Archibald, you know, connecting the dots. Businesses have their doors locked during the day. You have to knock to get in. When the hell is this going to stop? Now, meanwhile, over towards Marion and Archibald, what's called the Dufresne neighborhood, turns out that there's a homeless encampment over in that neighborhood. And apparently, some of the residents are having things happen in their back lanes and they're very scared about reporting it and they don't believe anybody cares or anybody's going to do something. Well, I care and I will. Now, it's not uncommon in Winnipeg neighborhoods in the past for there to be, you know, drug deals in back lanes and you know, but it's gotten a lot worse. Throughout the neighborhood, reports of people openly, brazenly uh, attending drug drops, picking up their stuff and cranking it right on the stairs in front of the businesses. This is so far out of the way that it's not something that really a lot of people would see. And it's like not downtown. It's it's not, it's just not going to get... People, you don't have the volume of people who are really like going to start to like notice this. And it looks really isolated, but apparently it's not. Is there a chop shop in the neighborhood? Could be. And you can tell things are going on when, you know, small apartment buildings or, uh, you know, um, what do they call mixed-use buildings, right? Retail, downstairs, and suites upstairs. There's a lot of people going in and out of those buildings at all hours. In the old days... What would happen in the North End or Central or someplace? The police would catch on to these things, but apparently, nowadays, under Chief Danny Smythe, when these things go on, uh, in 
the eastern side of St. Boniface. Doesn't get the attention it used to get in other neighborhoods, this, this kind of suspicious activity. Now, maybe if St. Boniface had a few beat cops, maybe this would be a good idea. Maybe if they dedicated a, a few, and I, there's things going on that I'm going to be continuing to look into that can clearly be stopped if City Hall and Chief Danny Smythe have the will to respond to the desperation of, and many of these people are senior citizens in that neighborhood, by the way. Okay? Quietly, these thugs are taking over St. Boniface. That is a direct quote from the resident in question who's been who's piecing this together. Quietly, these thugs are taking over St. Boniface. The guy with the cane. The, the broad punching that woman in her, beside her car. Granted, that's St. Vitale. The person stealing a missing and murdered indigenous women rock just for the sake of stealing something. And they're, right? Think of, think of the staff that was threatened by the guy with the cane. The people who were threatened by the per- per- people with a knife. Think of those who now have zero sympathy for these kinds of criminals, and then think of the people that express sympathy for them that are in elected public office and among bureaucr- bureaucracies and within the victim industry. And as the pendulum finally swung so far that in neighborhoods like St. Vitale, St. Boniface, North and South Point Douglas and River Heights, that there is the beginning of a groundswell demanding that they be proactively, proactively protected. Too many people are having these experiences across the city. Garage break-ins, attempted theft of the car, stolen bikes, stolen propane tanks, things out of their yard. What do we have about what's going on in Lord Roberts and Riverview? People steal a ladder from one house, take it over to the next house to climb up to look through the window and scope things out. The thugs are taking over St. Boniface in relation to St. Boniface. No. Rice doesn't have a council right now because John Orlico is on leave all through the summer. Matt Allard has been the invisible man. Once the snow finished melting off the sidewalks, and he couldn't complain about how they weren't being plowed properly or everywhere. He's been the invisible man this summer. Well, I'm not the invisible man. I'm right here. People are getting a hold of me. They're telling me their stories. I will tell them. Maybe some of you will send them to Madillard. Maybe I'll send them to Madillard. But he certainly hasn't seems to have done, he doesn't seem to have done anything whatsoever about the concerns regarding public safety that his voters are faced with. And we see that in other neighborhoods, as well as St. Boniface, people are saying, yell at them, fight back. This lack of representation, especially over the summer when city councillors are just like notorious for playing hooky, 
best way to put it. Um, well, I didn't play hooky this summer, and I'm not going to play hooky. I'm going to cover the election. I'm going to cover City Hall. I'm going to cover this crime beat. And uh, I'm going to continue to look into what's going on. Because there's something going on over in that Marion and Archibald area. And since nobody else is interested in helping that community, nobody has ever been interested in helping that community for some reason, I will continue to be a voice for them and all the other members of this community who are looking for relief, who are looking for accountability, who are looking for support. As I indicated earlier, more election uh, coverage coming up uh, as well. Uh, And uh, I think that's more than enough for this episode. Uh, I want to thank you all. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast. Please subscribe. Uh, and because uh, I, I don't, Facebook's been good to me so far, but that may not last. Uh, 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 so by all means, and send me an email, uh, martygoldlive at gmail.com. I'll add you to the mail out list. So when these episodes get put online, you are among the first to find out. Join our Facebook group too. All that information is in the uh, episode description. And uh, uh, back with more later this week. Uh, and if you're coming out to Lilac Resort uh, on Saturday night, I'll, I'll see you there and we'll all have a good time. Remember, as always, you have the power. When you support the Great Canadian Talk Show, your donation makes sure that the investigations, the interviews, the fact-finding, the truth-telling can carry on. When you sponsor the Great Canadian Talk Show, you're telling the community that you think their stories matter. Our public affairs coverage continues to make a difference, challenging the slanted media narratives and giving a voice to the community. When you provide funding for The Great Canadian Talk Show, you're supporting old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. Support TGCTS today. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.